0: Hello, welcome to the New Books Network. This is a Literary Studies podcast, and I'm Natalia, one of the hosts on the channel. Today I will be speaking with Maria Rybakovich, and we will be discussing her publication Literature, Exile, Alterity The New York Group of Ukrainian Poets. Hello, Maria.
1: Hello, Natalia. Thank you for the
0: invitation. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. So, before we discuss your publication, would you mind if uh, you say just a few words about yourself?
1: I received my PhD in Slavic literatures and languages uh, from the University of Toronto in 2001. And um, at present, I teach Ukrainian literature courses at Rutgers University New Brunswick campus, but I'm still... a I'm affiliated with the Department of Slavic Languages and Literatures at the University of Washington in Seattle, uh, where I spent almost seven years, and I also Mm. taught uh, Ukrainian literature courses uh, there. Um, My current project, I have to say that I just finished my second book, uh, which deals with contemporary Ukrainian literature. from the angle of identity construction. And I titled this book um, tentatively as Ukraine's Quest for Identity: Two Decades of Cultural Hybridity in Literary Imagination, nineteen
0: ninety
1: one, two thousand seven. So that's that's a little bit about me.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, So, um, I would be very much interested in discussing your (laughs) recent publication as well. So, could could you just tell us uh, um, a little bit about that recent research? What writers did you include into this recent publication? Oh, uh, that's
1: uh, quite a big project, if Mm -hmm. I may that way, uh, at some point, I had to uh, limit myself because to write about contemporary uh, literature is difficult because you don't know where to where to stop, so to say. So I decided right. that I'm going to focus on the first two decades after independence, and I'm looking at um, how uh, how identity formation is reflected in in Ukrainian uh, literary text and. Also, to what extent um, these uh, authors and texts influence uh, identity uh, formation in, in those uh, two decades after after independence. And I focus on um, the most uh, important contemporary authors, such as uh, Yuri Andruhovich, mm-hmm. and many, many other mm-hmm. uh, authors. But I think that, you know, like once the book is published, that will be another conversation <laughs> and I would be... Happy <laughs> to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm looking forward it to more, it. <laughs> but, but I'm excited that it's done because mm-hmm. it was also a, a project that was, uh, I worked for it for like almost a decade. So, like, right. years, i really finally I finished
0: it. Okay, but then um, your previous publication, Literature, Exile and Alterity, um, would you say a few words about the background of this research? How did the project start and how did it evolve?
1: Uh, Yes, thank you for this question. Um, My involvement with the New York group is really personal. um, And um, it's kind of hard to talk about the beginning of this project without giving a little bit of that background. Um, I was um, working on my PhD at the University of Toronto uh, back in the mid-1980s, and at the time I was also an, an inspiring Ukrainian poet uh, mm-hmm. in diaspora, so I wanted to to have my poems published, and I contacted a um, literary editor of the journal Sutrasnis, which mm-hmm. is like you know the contemporary times that was published um, here in in New York and also in Munich, and that editor, literary editor, was Bogdan boychuk uh, who is a founding member of the New York group of poets. And our correspondence uh, started, then we met and um, fell in love. Mm -hmm. And actually I moved from Toronto to New York uh, so we could be together. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I interrupted my PhD studies, but some decades later in mid 1990s, I decided that I do want to uh, finish my doctorate and I returned to Toronto but at the time i decided that my focus should not be slavic linguistics which was what i was doing when i met Bochuk, but i wanted to switch to literature mm-hmm. and my advisor at that time professor danilo stroke uh suggested that i worked on the new York group he knew that i'm very you know that i'm involved with the group that i'm also like part of the group mm-hmm. and he said there will be very in interesting for him to supervise a thesis like that. So the beginning of the book is really connected to my dissertation, uh, which I uh, wrote and defended at the University of Toronto. But the book itself evolved beyond that. Uh, So it is, um, I would say, it is based maybe like two-thirds of the dissertation. And the last three chapters were actually written after uh, I got my... I got my PhD, and of course it's rearranged, reworked and re-edited, so it's not exactly the same as, as my <laughs> dissertation. But that's the beginning of the project, and that's how it all started.
0: Mm-hmm. So, could you describe the new your group of Ukrainian poets? What does the term itself communicate? Because you mentioned elsewhere that the poets who are considered members of this group lived in different American cities and towns, uh, even in different countries, I would say. So, what are they? Why are they placed under the umbrella of New York group? The group was
1: never a, 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 some kind of a formal organization. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty much a group of friends who all wanted to um, create and express themselves in Ukrainian language. In Ukrainian language, so that was kind of uh, element that that uh, connected them. Uh, um, I mentioned somewhere uh, that uh, New York City signified for those poem, uh, poets an innovative approach to poetry, to Ukrainian poetry. And it's true that um, they all uh, wanted to experiment with poetic forms. They all embraced verlibre and and metaphor, uh, um, embraced modernism and such uh, fashionable at the time, we're talking about the mid 1950s, uh, trends as existentialism and surrealism. So, um, New York City was had this like symbolic importance for them because that was a very vibrant um, culturally and aesthetically uh, city in uh, following World War II. But it also was the place that actually all most of the poets uh, met and, and 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 worked. So it's it, it has both like literal and symbolic meaning. But it's true that some. Po- poets uh, resided and still reside in different places, but at some point in their lives, they actually uh, came to New York Mm -hmm. and, you know, got to know each other and and kind of uh, were active uh, together. Mm -hmm. So the first, the the, the beginning of the group goes to the meeting between Bogdan Boychuk and Yuri Mm Tarnavsky. And then shortly after that, they also started to uh, correspond with Bogdan Lubczak, who lived in Chicago at the time, and um, shortly after that, Zhenya Vasilkivska joined the group, and she was in New York in New York at the time. She was actually working on her PhD in French literature at Columbia University. Then Yuri Kanaski met an American um, uh, woman, Patricia Nell Warren, who then uh, shortly after learn Ukrainian and uh, learn it so well that started to write poetry herself. So that was another addition uh, to the group. And in 1957, Emandijewska came to New York from uh, Munich and spent in New York maybe like two, close to three years, when then went back to Munich. And finally, in 1959, Vira came from Rio de Neiro. in Brazil and also spent like half a year in New York and that's how her association with the New York group uh, began. So this is this seven founding members um, of the New York group that my book focuses on because in fact uh, there are some other poets that joined Mm -hmm. this grouping later on in the mid-60s. There were additional two poets from Chicago, Oleg Coverko and Yuri Colomei. There was also a young poet, um, Marko Zarennik, who uh, lived in Philadelphia at that time and then later moved to Toronto. He still lives in Toronto. And um, also another poet, Roman Baboval, uh, that always, he he already uh, passed away, lived in Belgium. And finally, I was, you know, the last uh, addition, so to say, to the group. (laughs) But my book does not focus on those uh, later Mm -hmm. uh, poets, but just on the founding members of the seven fund, uh, founding poets. So uh, among those seven, um, most of them, um, well, maybe I shouldn't say most of them, but at least uh, two of them, both Dan Buczuk and Yuri Tanaski, they were always associated with New York. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and Mandevska moved to Munich. Uh, Vera was in Rio de Janeiro. And Bogdan Rupczak, there was a short period from mid-1960s, a decade really from mid-1960s to 1970s, that he lived on the East Coast. Actually, he was working on his PhD at Rutgers University and then moved back to Chicago in the 1970s. So New York always was that place that, um, how should I put it, that invited them all Mm -hmm. right you know to be in in, in that place
0: so uh, is there any date which is considered to be like a foundation date for this group or it's just goes under the um, umbrella so to speak of some decade
1: there's no one date Mm -hmm. but you know it all all depends how uh, you look at it Mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier it really, the the beginning of it goes back to the meeting between Bojciuk and uh, Tarnarski, which happened in 1953. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1954, if I'm not mistaken, they already started to uh, write some, um, uh, to uh, contribute poetry to the Studenskie Slovo. there's like student work that was a supplement to the newspaper uh, Svoboda. Then they also had, um, uh, literary evenings combined with uh, artistic um, exhibitions with artists and that happened in 1955. Mm-hmm. I also look at their poetic debuts, like uh, both uh, Tarnavsky and Rupczak, their first books came out in 1956, uh, Bochuk's in 1957, so that is also an important day. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time they still it was like pretty much an association of friends Mm -hmm. Um, some could look at 1958 as like an official beginning because that was the uh, year that they assumed that uh, name the New York uh, group uh, like as sort of their trademark if I may put it that way and it happened because at that time they already wanted to publish a, a poetry almanac, or an annual, and they call it Novi Poesi, New Poetry, Uh, and they also wanted to have their own uh, publishing house, and they needed some kind of a name for it, so they assumed Mm -hmm. this New York group. So that has a very concrete date, and uh, Yuri Tanavsky even mentions that in his diary, that he remembers that moment when they came up with that uh, name. And it was in one of uh, Grinch Village Cafes in New York where they were sitting. Uh, He, uh, Padnawski, Patricia Kilina, Bogdan Bucuk, and uh, Butchuk's first wife, Anya, and they came up with that name. So it's really kind of difficult to pinpoint what would be the the uh, actual beginning. But it's safe to say that the mid-1950s is where it all
0: kind of started. I see. I see. So and uh, very often literary groups or literary schools produce some kind of manifesto. Did this group um, have uh, any literary manifesto or what was their main motto in terms of producing poetry? Because like you mentioned, they were writing uh, in the Ukrainian language and it was probably some uh, literary gesture and political gesture and social gesture as well.
1: Uh, right. Uh, so that was one thing that they embraced and they did it uh, quite consciously because they all came to the US as, as uh, children or young adults and they could and, and went to schools and they could very easily actually to switch and uh, write in, in the English language. So the fact that they embrace it. And made that very conscious decision that they will express themselves artistically in ukrainian was a conscious choice uh, however they never had any any official manifesto mm-hmm. if, if you know, they didn't even consider themselves that there are some kind of a school like a poetic school that's why they prefer this uh, more informal name as a group uh, but uh, if we are talking if Certain what they wanted to stand for, I mm. would say that um, their um, their introduction to the first issue of Novi Poetzi, New Poetry, could stand a little bit for that. Mm. And if you don't mind, I just want to yes, sure. read a little bit. It's a quotation that I translated myself, and um, because that is from. Uh, rupchak's letter to Tarnasky um dated uh, november twenty fifth nineteen fifty five um, because some uh literary critics that wrote about the new group were saying that you know their beginnings were very spontaneous very kind of that there was not much thought giving to it mm-hmm. but that letter would actually contradict that because they were thinking uh, about uh, issues and they were always thinking that like, if they have a group that they could, ins- uh, they, they could have more influence as a group than individually. So I'm going to read this um, uh, excerpt from the letter. We the young Ukrainian writers must keep together, must unite in indissoluble friendship because individually we shall vanish without a trace. I hope you have realized the precariousness of our situation. 10, 15 more years of immigrant existence, and no one would be writing in Ukrainian. Ukrainian culture undergoes an awful crisis nowadays, and it's truly faced with, forgive my cliche, the last to be or not to be. Please, mm-hmm. and other wonderful people give their lives for it. We do not dare put it down. Our task is to rescue it. So, you know, they, they it's its not the quotation that I wanted to find from Novi Poesi. Uh, maybe I will uh, later. But, but it,
0: it really sounds like um, a manifesto.
1: But it's its kind of, you know, like, yes, that was private, right? They never yeah. wanted anything uh, to put in public other than, again, this uh, publication that they came up in 1959. Uh, but definitely among themselves, there were... Uh, they were conscious that you know they could, could play an important role, considering that at the time um, Ukraine was really uh, under the uh, communist uh, mm-hmm. Soviet regime, and not much um, writers and artists artists uh, could could uh, do. Um, like there was no freedom of expression over of there.
0: Mm-hmm. Were the members of the group collaborating with their colleagues in Ukraine especially during the 60s and 70s when it was quite troublesome to travel back and forth to the United States. And, uh, well, you mentioned that in your uh, research um, that um, uh, they were waiting for some invitation from the Ukrainian officials, uh, but uh, the Ukrainian officials were quite uh, careful <laughs> about inviting um, the poets from the States
1: true true uh that that uh collaboration or uh, came rather late but it happened uh, one could almost say like by coincidence because um they certainly could not travel to ukraine although i i will mention that la- uh, later one uh, member of the group actually did um uh, via vogue uh, mm-hmm. but uh, what what happened is that um, two uh, well known poets ivan drach and Mitrov Pavlichko, to from you know they came from kiev to new york as part of the delegation to the united nations mm-hmm. and that was uh, a good opportunity for poets from ukraine and um, from the new york group to get together and, and meet so and that happened in 1966 so pretty much a decade after uh, the group um, began to uh, be active, mm-hmm. but that was a very important meeting indeed and and um, they they tried to uh, somehow continue that collaboration, but it turn out that it's not so easy to, to mm-hmm. do. And I'm sure that both uh, Drudge and Pavlichko, their intentions were were uh, good. They actually wanted um, to invite um, the poets uh, of the New York group to Kiev so that they could um, have those official uh, readings and perhaps their their poetry could be published mm-hmm. if not individually, at least like maybe some kind of anthology. So the It's where the projects that they discussed, but in practice, uh, what happened is, like, um, the the poets of the group um, assumed, uh, they wanted, they demanded an official invitation. They didn't just want to go there as tourists. And that official invitation never came. And it couldn't, actually. And I think that, um, I don't know if, Drach and Pavlichko uh, still were so optimistic and, and thinking that they could, such invitations, or um, they were maybe <laughs> naive a little bit. Uh, um, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, the majority of poets did not travel to Ukraine until late in the, uh, you know, pretty much much on the eve of the collapse of the Mm -hmm. Soviet Union in in 1989 and 1990. Um, But there was an exception, and that exception was Vera Volk, Mm -hmm. uh, who decided that it's not important for her, at least, to have that official invitation. She just went there as a tourist, and it was at the end of the 60s. it happened like three times mm-hmm. and it gave her an opportunity to uh interact with uh, poets and also with some younger group of poets that later were known as uh that mm-hmm. is this post 60s generation and also among them were were poets of the uh, kiev school of poets uh they're like Uh, four poets uh, important from the late 60s and early 70s who did not really have a chance to um, uh, kind of evolved officially. Uh, They were non-conformists and Mm -hmm. obviously uh, couldn't publish uh, because they they didn't want to follow the instructions, so to say from mm-hmm. the, from the regime. So these contacts were important and, but some, and there was a, like a big polemic between Vera Vogue and Bogdan Bochuk on uh, pages of Suchasny's There is this uh, emigre, important emigre journal. Uh, bochuk uh, was uh, of the opinion that uh, she shouldn't uh, collaborate. She shouldn't give that um, opportunity for officials, for the, uh, mm-hmm. Regime officials, you know, to sponsor her readings and things like that. So uh, the new, like renewed, if I should put it that way, collaboration came late. Mm-hmm. Came actually at the end of the um, of the Soviet Union, like 1990, and that with publication of the new journal Svitovit. Uh, in which I was also involved. And and uh, we managed to publish four issues in 1990. And then in 91, it was like a quarterly literary magazine. Uh, and um, those poets, Drudge and Pavlichko, were involved because they were part of the union of writers in Kiev. So without their participation, it wouldn't be possible to have that kind of joint venture, joint literary venture at that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, pretty much it, as we could say about those collaborations uh, between uh, poets. Uh, in fact, as I, as I said, there was a little bit of contact in the uh, second half of the 60s, then it kind of died out and uh, renew, was renewed again at the end of the
0: 1980s. So, um, I would like um, to ask you just um, um, uh, one question uh, about the poetry of the New York group. So, um, your research places their poetry in an in between space, and the poets um, represent hybrid writing, mentality, and consciousness, combining cultures and philosophies of their lost homeland, which was ukraine and of the countries they moved to um and uh, the poets works demonstrate mixtures of various literary trends and uh, you talk uh, about uh, modernism and postmodernism trends in their um uh, writings so the poets also seem to embrace both uh, nostalgia uh, because of their uh, lost um homeland and hope for finding a new home so um uh, the New York group makes a gesture toward um, all inclusiveness. At the same time, there is some sense of resistance. However, like political, cultural, historical, literary. Uh, what um, evokes that kind of resistance? Um, what uh, contributed to this kind of controversial, I would say, uh, tone of uh, the poetry of the New York group?
1: Um uh. I would say that the poets of the new York group were not typical immigrant poets. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Um, I would, wouldn't say that there's a lot of nostalgia in their poetry, uh, simply because, as I mentioned earlier, they left uh, their homelands at the very young age, and uh, it was mostly whatever was in their minds. It was mostly like kind of imagined homeland than than real one. Um so but yet because they uh decided to write in Ukrainian, mm-hmm. they kind of um automatically excluded them themselves from the mainstream literary mainstream in, in the country, in the adopted uh, countries. Um so indeed there's a lot of uh, paradoxical uh Combinations. There, um, at some point, I did mention that they um, toyed with postmodernist uh, kind of devices, but really, uh, at heart, they they were all very modernist mm. poets. I would say maybe like a late modernist poets, and what I mean by that is that they were consciously um, nurturing that link to modernism um that was very important for them that, to be part of that uh large uh, even we can say international family of, mm-hmm. of important uh literary figures that represented that 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 trend um in terms of all-inclusiveness uh it, it really maybe it, it does seem that they try to embrace all those um different and sometimes maybe uh, conflicted uh, tendencies. But um, I think that there were some principles that were important to them mm-hmm. and they didn't want to uh, compromise. So there, there was this rebellious spirit all along uh, and they didn't want to write perhaps in that traditional vein as, as their predecessor or even... Uh, older contemporary uh to them like poets that also uh happened to immigrate to to north america uh, so there was that they wanted to be new they wanted to be uh different and they wanted to be um experimental avant-garde mm-hmm. so uh that's maybe one part like in terms of this resistance, this avant-garde resistance, sorry, this um, aesthetic resistance. There is also like uh, political uh, principles that they try to uh, follow, something that I already mentioned in terms of dealing with the center, dealing with Ukraine, that they didn't want to compromise, they didn't want to be uh, seen as someone who, um, uh, who cooperates with the Regime um, and resistance, resistance uh, to even to the American uh, literary kind of uh, uh, mainstream, I would say, because they were they were more European oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the fact that uh, the time in the nineteen fifties uh, when the Beat Generation mm-hmm. was so active. Uh, they and, and rather to look for um, uh, such spiritual um, sources as as east um, like we know that beat generation um, embraced this as eastern spiritualism mm-hmm. um, the new York group actually embraced existentialism mm-hmm. they were very very much influenced by by that philosophy and they were Atheists with perhaps one exception of Vera Vogue, they all actually um were saying about themselves that they are a- atheists mm-hmm. um, I don't know if um I addressed your question here, but it's it's kind of like a thing about this resistance that you say um this definitely that they um well they were outsiders they were outsiders mm-hmm. even in that emigre milieu because um while it has to be admitted that there were uh, people who followed what they were doing and were buying their books there were also people that look at them as um not perhaps entirely ukrainian mm-hmm. whatever that would mean <laughs> so they were saying that those themes that they were uh, Taking up in their poetry and, and the way they wrote um, that somehow did not look you know entirely uh, Ukrainian, so definitely there were some uh, clashes with mm-hmm. their own kind of emigre community, mm-hmm. um, not only with the uh, regime in, in then the Soviet Union.
0: Well, for, uh, for the description of their poetry, use the term referring to Andrew Gerr's um, exilic sensibility, and for uh, Patricia Colina, um, you um, uh, employ the term self-exile. So would you elaborate on those terms a little bit? especially especially in Uh, terms of patricia kalina her case is very interesting since uh, she was born in the states and then she um, learned the ukrainian language so quickly and then she started writing in ukrainian but then again she went back to english
1: yes yes well she's like a a, a native well i shouldn't say native because that's (laughs) that's a different meaning like she's an american you know someone who was born uh, in Montana uh, in 1936. And one could say that it was just like a mere coincidence that she uh, ended up within that uh, Ukrainian emigrant circle. And it happened because uh, through her friend, she met uh, Yuri Karnavsky, another founding member of the group, and they uh, got married. And that's how she uh, joined the, the group. Uh, but going back to your question about the exilic uh, sensibility and well, exile in general, yes, I embrace this term uh, because I thought that it really uh, is a nice, um, it gives me a, 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 a way to interpret their poetry. And even though, as I mentioned earlier, that they are not a typical emigre poets and in the sense because they did not come to the um, United States as adults, uh, but still either children or uh, young adults. Um, they developed um, their worldview and their aesthetics um, uh, kind of uh, preferences uh, already here. Uh, so that's definitely removed. Um, as I said, you know, this this typical nostalgia in older poets uh, was not as present in their poetry. Um, going back to exotic sensibility, I think that it manifests itself um, not only in in feelings of alienation and, and otherness, but also in the desire to make their experience um, of, of exile, of displacement as uh, universal as possible. That could also Connect them to modernism as such, because unlike postmodernism that focuses on the, on particulars, on on very local modernism wants to have this experience, wants to put this in uh, most general uh, terms, like uh, humanity mm-hmm. as a, as a whole, uh, perhaps. And it it could also stem from their experience, uh, even though they were very young, they did go through that. Um, World War Two experience, which no doubt was very traumatic for most of them, and uh, then that was the uh, concern for the whole humanity, not just for, for Ukrainians. Um, so exile, um, I look at exile as, as some kind of a displacement. Definitely you have to have some kind of a displacement. It could be geographical, but it could be also uh, psychological. And it could could also be linguistic. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned, this uh, particular case of Patricia Kilena, that the very fact that she uh, decided to express herself poetically in a foreign language for her in Ukrainian, that's uh, as if she kind of exiled herself into a different um, uh, linguistic realm, right? That mm-hmm. That is also, uh, in a way, uh, exile. And her particular case could be um, not just linguistic, but the, the fact that she associated with the group that at that time, at least, um, was of of a stateless nation, uh, it's also kind of a certain displacement uh, in a way. Um, so um, the feelings of alienation, the feelings of uh, being other in that, uh, in the milieu of adopted homeland also contributed to, to that sense. Uh, they were not part of of, you know, they, they, it is this feeling like in betweenness this, this, liminal feeling that, you know, and on the one hand, they are here, they're part of, 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 of that culture and society at the same time, they are different. And, um, it's, it kind of also, um, reminds me of, of, of what Edward Said was saying about those, uh, um, diasporic uh, experiences as polyphonic because you are Mm -hmm. at the same time aware of more than one culture you are very often aware of not just two but even more than that and that contributes to that um, sense of maybe embracing and maybe uh, all inclusivity (laughs) uh, at the same
0: time Mm -hmm. So um, it looks like um, uh, the New York group uh, positioned itself or they positioned themselves uh, outside any kind of center in terms of their lost um, homeland and in terms of their adopted um, homeland. So it was their conscious choice. Um, On the other hand, It looks like the Ukrainian poets that belong to this group, um, they embrace all kinds of uh, literary traditions, um, European in particular. Um, Where does the Ukrainian tradition stand in in this sort of collaboration of everything, I would say? um what's the what's the influence of the uh ukrainian literary uh, tradition in terms of uh uh this exilic sensibility for example for uh for the new york group because it, it um, sounds very it, it does sound very european <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: uh, it's true but if if your question is uh What kind of, because like so far, and and I emphasize those um, Western influences upon them, uh, to what extent they were also influenced by their own kind of native uh, Ukrainian uh, poetic tradition. Um, You could argue that um, they were, to some extent, maybe they didn't want to admit to themselves, but... um, Obviously, um, that uh, excerpt from Ruchak's letter that I read um, indicates that they were w- well aware of uh, what was already accomplished, especially in the 1920s. And um, there's a whole uh, talented generation of Ukrainian writers, poets, and, and, and theater directors that pretty much perished because of Stalin
0: uh mm-hmm. Stalin's
1: repression in the nineteen thirties. So they were definitely aware of that. Um interestingly, I have to say that, you know, as I said, they they consider themselves modernists uh, definitely. And but you know, the way they look at their own um Ukrainian tradition, literary tradition, they would say that, oh, they are the first real modernists mm-hmm. in Ukrainian literature. Which is not actually true. Mm-hmm. I mean because we can look at modernism as something that evolves uh, way from the end of the 19th century up to, you know, even 1970s. And they were just this uh, most, um, the the, uh, very late uh, phase of it, um, but definitely an important phase. Uh, So um, some would say that they would, that they were, you know, like they emphasized influences such as like uh, uh, Garcia Lorca mm-hmm. uh, or uh, from Spanish, um, other Spanish poets such as uh, Pablo, um, well, or sp- Spanish-speaking uh, poets like Pablo, Pablo Neruda and, and um, Jiménez and, and many others. Um, but uh, they did uh, obviously were aware of uh, the poetry of the 1920s such as uh, Pablo de Chena, mm-hmm. uh, Jean, um and uh, many others of and 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 many many others and that's something that I'm sure in some way they incorporated even uh, subconsciously in their poetry.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, I should have um, paraphrased my comment and uh, say that uh, they were fascinated with uh, Western European influences rather than Eastern European influences. Uh, and uh well since uh um we were talking about all kinds of literary um influences you also have a chapter in your uh research that covers the spanish influences on the um, um new york group um so uh, what does this collaboration communicate about the aesthetics of of the new York group
1: i think that's one of the most uh, unique and original contributions of the new York group that uh, something that I called like, like a, a Spanish uh, turn or even maybe a Spanish school in Ukrainian literature uh, because it was so pronounced and it um, not only they were so eager to translate uh, important uh, Spanish language. And then publish them in um, their almanac, new poetry. Um, but they also like incorporated themes, uh, Spanish themes or Latin American themes into their poetry. Um, uh, in some cases, it was because um, like Vira Vogue, for example, like she she resides in Brazil, so was very close to it. But in many cases, it was uh, prompted well. Because they read a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. those Spanish uh, poets. But they also traveled a lot. And one um, poetry collection that Bochuk published, um, uh, Písni dla Mexico, like Songs for Mexico, were influenced by his trip to Mexico. Then we have Yuri Tarnarsky and Patricia Kilena who actually lived in Spain for a year and a half. They even bought an apartment in Santa there. And uh, so they were very, they were fluent in Spanish. And that also uh, found its way into their poetry. And in, in the case of Patricia Colina, she has a whole uh, poetry collection dedicated to uh, Spanish uh, cities. It's called like Pink Cities. Um Yuri Tanaski on, on the other hand has a, a poetry, poetry prose poetry uh collection titled Um Bez without Spain, mm-hmm. uh which is uh, which he wrote after uh they left Spain. It's it's very kind of interesting that uh it's so experimental and so um so uh Opaque in many cases that when you read it, 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 it's not so much about Spain as it is about the lyrical hero. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, in in name only, or really like incorporating certain themes in their poetry, that Spanish uh, element is very very strong. Now, what does it signify, right? Mm-hmm. Why that? Well, it could stem just from their interest. They obviously uh, love uh, reading that poetry and in some way it influenced. But I also argued in in the end that um, this turn to things Spanish, so to say, um, was maybe their guise of deeply felt and espoused internationalism, Mm -hmm. maybe even cosmopolitanism, Although, arguably, uh, and I actually mentioned that um, about Yuri Tarnavsky, that um, perhaps uh, this um, uh, the case that he wanted to uh, project himself as, as a cosmopolitan, maybe it was just a mask because he deeply cared about what is happening in Ukraine and, and even has a few poems that could be very much... Uh, uh, Interpreted as political poems um, Mm -hmm. against uh, Russia, against uh, her colonial oppression, if Mm -hmm. you if you will. So there could be many interpretations. For me, uh, it kind of goes uh, back to their um, fascination with modernism and uh, modernism as uh, the most kind of international of all kind of artistic and aesthetic. Um, uh, uh, trends in the 20th century.
0: So the name of the group includes and uh, focuses on an apparent geographical locus, which is New York. And uh, I'm wondering how New York is represented in the poet's works.
1: Yes, and that's perhaps the the um, most um, paradoxical <laughs> uh, situations of all that uh, Considering how important New York City as a location for them was, how little actually they thematize uh, that uh, that city in their poetry. It's not that it's not there; it is, and uh, probably uh, the most uh, you could find references to it in Bogdan Boychuk's, uh poetry. He even mentions certain, uh, like uh, you know, streets. Um, more uh, not as directly in Yuri Tarnaski, he has in his early poet, uh, poetry uh, many poems dedicated to uh, cafes and obviously these are New York cafes because that's where they were going and, and meeting and, and discussing things but you would not find a direct uh, um a direct reference mm-hmm. to a particular café. Uh, so everything is more um, kind of general, and and it's more about the uh, lyrical hero uh, rather than the context, so to say, rather than the surroundings. Uh, so the, the subjectivity uh, of of I rather <laughs> the mm-hmm. subjective I rather than the place is is more important. Uh, why um I try to explain this more like from the uh, kind of modernist uh, angle that um, this is uh, how um, you know like this focus uh, on on individual eye on the one hand and trying to present everything more um, like in universal terms that it's a very uh Modernist modernist uh, tendency. On the other hand, uh, in some poets like Batsel Machno, who immigrated to uh, New York in two thousand, uh, when he writes about New York, he writes this with uh, very very uh, great with particularity. I mean, he embraces concrete places. He embraces con- concrete uh, cafes. Veg- Menus, names them. So um, that celebration of the um, concrete and and local uh, is very much the case of, of kind of postmodernist uh, spirit, if you will, and it's something that is um, definitely not uh, present in the uh, poetry of the New York group. Uh, and mostly uh, we're talking here about Yuri Tanas. And Bogdan Vujuk, uh, two of the poets who actually are associ- associated with this place um, the most, because as I mentioned, uh, Bogdan Rupchak returned to Chicago and didn't really live that long in New York, and the same is true for Emmanujewska uh, and Vera Volk, uh as well as for Patricia Kilina, who after. Uh, After she divorced Yuri Tarnowski in 1973, she lived in New York for a few more years, but then she moved to uh, California. So that could also be an explanation that um, these poets actually did not live here long enough to have that place somehow influence and uh, find um, the way to to poetry uh, itself, so to say.
0: You mentioned somewhere um, that the group underwent a few stages of uh, the development, and I would assume that probably their tone changed um, in some way after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And if so, um, did it really change? And if so, do you believe that their voices were heard uh, by the center uh, in both locations, in their lost homeland and in their um, um, uh, ad- adopted homeland.
1: Okay, so there are quite a few questions here. <laughs> I'll try to uh, to do one by one. Uh, in terms of their development and activity, um, it's it's true that the longevity of the group is in a way amazing because. Um, Usually, when a group or a school like exists, it's, it it doesn't take more than a decade, and they somehow it, it dissipates. Uh, in in the case of the new group, uh, it is amazing how long they managed to last. Although, obviously, the quality of their activity as a group uh, is not the same. So you could actually discern discern. Certain Places, um, of uh, in that development and i would say that the most active and the most productive phase uh, coincided with the publication of their uh annual like new poetry which was published from 1959 uh until 1972 73. the last issue was they had both uh, dates 72 and 73 uh perhaps that the, the existence of that publication somehow mobilized them to uh cooperate and to be um you know um, productive so to say um but like the 70s were the uh, the that was the decades that somehow they all, all uh went their own directions it's not that the group stopped um to exist, but um, they were not as active, let's put that way, and even if they published something that was mostly uh, something that was written uh, earlier. And the new kind of uh, new um, spirit came uh, in the early 1980s, when Bogdan Bochuk returned to um, work as a literary editor for for the journal Sutrasnys. Uh, uh, times and that also uh, almost coincided with the uh, second half of the 1980s where all those changes started to take place in the Soviet Union uh, following um, Gorbachev's mm-hmm. policies of glasnost and perestroika and those contacts uh, began to uh, between diaspora and the Ukraine uh, Kind of uh, were renewed and were in a way they were um, kind of mobilizing that something has to be done and that idea of the new publication of uh, having a, a forum that would allow this dialogue literary dialogue between diaspora and Ukraine uh, kind of um, have uh, place uh, to to to, to um, that was also something that uh, motivated that that activity, and as I mentioned already, Svitovit. This is how it was established and existed pretty much from for a decade until 1999, and um, that was. Uh, uh, that was a, a, a forum that allowed not just for this dialogue to ha- to happen, but it also uh, allow diaspora poets, the new group poets, uh, to have a place to publish their poems and publish their, mm-hmm. their work. And that was uh, something that mobilized them. And my argument is that once uh, the um, the uh, magazine Svitovit that is uh, Stopped, uh, stopped its um, publication. That pretty much when the uh, group voice uh, died. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't mean that you know individual members of the group stopped uh, being active. Although there were some that you know left the group quite early. And zhenya uh, Wasilkivska was one of those that left the group even in the nineteen sixties, and then in the nineteen the seventies. Patricia Kilina like left, <coughs> but the um, the core of it, like Bonchuk, group Tarnalski, Andiewska and and are still active even today, although, uh, and it has to be perhaps uh, emphasized, especially in Mandievska, um really denies its uh, kind of uh, involvement in the group hmm. uh, and uh, publicly says that she never actually belonged to the group, even though archival material would say uh, something else and there is a concrete uh, There is even a letter in which she mentions Mm -hmm. that she stops being uh, a member of the group and there is a Concrete reason why is that (laughs) but that's a kind of a a digression so to say Um, so in terms of this Periphery and the center. Um, well, periphery is uh, it's it's it kind of it's 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 logical because mm-hmm. like to write Ukrainian poetry in the United States, it's already peripheral, right? It's it's uh, kind of removed from, from uh, the uh, geographical place where people actually. You know read ukrainian and and, and and speak and interact in ukrainian um, but i argued in the book that because uh when they started to uh be uh, um creatively active that was the time that uh, ukrainian writers could not express themselves really so in a way and and we could argue that with the introduction of socialist realism in the 1930s, the whole um, modernist um, development in Ukraine pretty much uh, stopped
0: mm-hmm. and could
1: not uh, continue. And the um, importance of what was happening uh, in diaspora obviously uh, then uh, grew even even more. Um, so they played a very important role uh, in, in, in the sense that they had to continue the broken link between the early modernist um, phenomena and, and, and publications and later what was happening in the 1950s, in the 1960s, in the post-war uh, period. Um, so aesthetically, at least, um, they are not as peripheral mm-hmm. as their, their geographical location would indicate. So that's my argument, pretty much, that, you know, like if we look how they ways really situated <laughs> geographically, so to say, yes, they were peripheral, but in terms of their contribution, Uh, to the development of Ukrainian literature and Ukrainian modernism in particular, they were quite central and not peripheral. Although, you know, how they are appreciated Mm -hmm. in Ukraine and to what extent they are known, uh, it's another question, right? You know, that was some, uh, after Ukraine became independent and they were, uh going there often and publishing their books in ukraine and in 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 the case of bogdan boychuk he actually lived he Mm -hmm. moved to kiev he lived like part-time there um they still this status of of being outsider uh pretty much continued although you know there are well known and some of those poem uh, poets, especially Mandievska and Yuri Tarnavsky, there are well even researched. I don't even know exactly, but there are many dissertations being written on on, on both of them. Uh, Bogdan Buchuk, on the other hand, was really active until uh, his last days um, uh, publishing. Uh, prose, uh, publishing uh, various articles, he was very active reviewing books. So he was pretty much in the, in the center of what was uh, happening uh, until, until uh, not so long ago. Um, in terms of appreciation, there is. I should mention another thing because it's re- relatively recent. A uh, young uh, poet and, and, and film director. Aleksandr Frazefrozenko um, recently um, completed a documentary on the New York Group mm-hmm. and it's really um, good that he managed uh, to do it while uh, still most of the members uh, were alive. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you you just mentioned that you completed a um, a recent publication as well. And uh, uh, it would be very interesting to talk about your recent recent research as well. But uh, thank you so much for this fascinating research that contributes to the literary studies in the United States and in Ukraine. And uh, thank you so much for this fascinating conversation today. Thank you.